Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of family and children's discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. Well, Tony, we are back at it. How are you? I've been doing well in the uh, like six minutes since uh, we just got done recording the last episode. Good. The, the brief break I took there, you have nothing bad happened, so I'm glad no, to hear that. No. Just went upstairs, uh, gave a hug and kiss to the wife, and uh, yeah, pretty much that's it. Ben, how, how are you dealing with uh, your loss in the Fantasy Football Championship? Uh, well, you know, uh, a little scene of biblical counselor, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I know. I knew I'd take. Uh, well, Tony, I know that uh, your youth group has made some changes in the last year, and the 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 name of your ministry, I guess, um, you took on a new thing, and you just launched that this fall, I believe, right? And you guys kind of go in a new direction this fall. We did uh, the early, more or less late summer. We. Got a little bit of a jump start on it, yeah. Okay, all right. And so I really liked what was behind that. And so I want to get into a conversation with you further about that today. And it relates to some other stuff that we've talked about recently in some episodes. It ties in, but this just focuses on in on this a little bit more uh, specifically. And so, you know, the the tell us the name of your student ministry. We are Area 51 Youth Ministries uh, is the name, and uh, our slogan that was made up by one of their youth is, we are the aliens of the world. Okay, yeah, so you're talking about the aliens. Um, Now, some people are really into alien stuff. Have you ever heard that show, that radio show that comes on, like, in the middle of the night with the people, you know, it seems like they can't leave their house without spotting a UFO? Uh, was it Coast to Coast, I think is what it's called? I don't know of that. I have to look that up now. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's worth a listen. Um, but anyway, the New Testament uh, speaks in similar terms about Christians. So what is it talking about when it's calling us aliens? Yeah, I think it's talking about something other than space aliens, you know. But I do. you'd mentioned <laughs> listen to that. So I, I have to admit a sin. I used to hate watch uh, Ancient Aliens, that History Channel show, uh, with that really crazy guy who talks about, uh, you know, how he thinks every historical event, like the American Revolution, uh, had alien involvement in it somehow. And uh, I think the way that I watched it was probably sinful. Uh, but yes, I don't think it's talking about ancient aliens uh, and the way that we think of the green people. But it does use the term, especially in a lot of translations, uh, depending on your translation. NIV, I think, renders it alien. I think NASB does as well. Uh, but First Peter 2.11 really is the main verse on which uh, calling people aliens comes from. And I'll quote from the ESV, which doesn't use the word alien. Uh, it says, Dear friend, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from uh, sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such godly, good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing uh, wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day uh, he visits us. Uh, 
us. So I think actually it's reference that passage is a reference to the Babylonian captivity of Israel um, uh, and the way in which it's referring back to how uh, God's people were, were far from the land, taken away from their home uh, and lived in a foreign world to them, uh, like refugees or sojourners, as we might call it today. I think rightfully that would be a great comparison. Uh, I think that means... Uh, when the New Testament calls us aliens, it means that we are in Babylon. We are in the, a world far from our home, a world that we shouldn't feel comfortable in. Much like an actual alien, space alien coming to this world would feel. Um, I think a great way of, exp of illustrating that, uh, what the New Testament means by that, was I had a coworker. Uh, that worked with me at Chick-fil-A years ago, and he was from, I believe, Guatemala, and uh, his family was still in Guatemala. He was in the United States uh, uh, trying to get a higher uh, wage job, but when he was here, he lived uh, as an alien. You know, he was a nice guy, very uh, good worker and everything, uh, but, you know, he lived on almost nothing because he sent everything back. He worked he worked almost nonstop with little rest uh, so that he could send more back to his home. And so we could invest more into his uh, home that he was going back to after several years of working in the United States. Okay, so that's a pretty vivid image um, for you and I think for our listeners, considering living in a place that's not your home. So, and taking those admonitions from the New Testament, what does it take for families to decide to live like that? I mean, like, what needs to click? Internally, for them to make the decisive change in direction to live as an alien and say this this place is not finally our home. I think it means some pretty radical changes, uh, depending on your own family and where you're at, even where you're at in the world. Uh, but I think it means giving your kids something better uh, than being than having more than what you had. Uh, so often times, even Christian families are guided by the principle, I want my kid to have more than what I had. Uh, and, and it can lead to a compromise of the faith. It can lead to valuing uh, the things in this world more than valuing what we have coming when we go home into our heavenly home, into the new heavens, new earth. Uh, so I think, but I think giving up the mentality. Uh, life, I think realizing life is more uh, about investing and eternity than partaking of uh, of all that life has to offer, even if it means missing out on the idealized American family. So I think there's going to be a lot that you're going to have to give up if you have an approach of seeing life as with your family investing into eternity rather than on I mean, just indulging as we're so good to, in America today at indulging as much as possible. Um, so, but I think that I think what will make it click. Uh, in First Peter, it shows suffering. So the alien life, it's not just that verse. The whole first book of First Peter, I think, is about what it means to be a Christian alien. Uh, and often it talks about suffering because I think First Peter, Peter realized that suffering is what makes it click uh, that we are aliens. Uh, it's sometimes experiencing difficulty, oppression for your faith, even mocking for your faith is what's needed to help you really see, you know what? I don't belong here. Mm. That's um, that's not something that you hear a lot about. Like, uh, you know, the Christian radio station. I mean, I, I say this. I don't really listen to much radio 
anyway, but often what you hear, like the, the verse of the day, is usually just some sort of encouragement, uplifting, positive thing. And I mean, Scripture's full of that, but it also, First um, Peter and other places, uh, I mean, Paul, after he's been stoned in a place, left for dead, then he goes around evangelizing, planting more churches, comes back to, I think it's Lystra uh, in Acts 13, and he encourages the believers there by saying, is by many trials we must enter the kingdom of God. And so, um, I think you're spot on. Thank you. That so, what cultural ideas and idols might distract us or lure us into living uh, like this place is our final home? Yeah. You Just kind of where we're at. I'm curious in your thoughts on that before, you know, I talk anything. Well, I think one of the things is that. Uh, our physical material well-being is the highest goal um, or the thing that we should pursue. And, you know, we don't want to be um, like Neoplatonist or something and pretend that our bodies don't matter. Um, creation is good and God gave us bodies. God himself took on a body, um, a real human body. And so and, – and right now Jesus is sitting on his throne with a human body. So that that does matter. Um, and we're going to live in a, a physical existence in the new heavens and new earth. But our physical health and well-being and our you know, financial prosperity and those kinds of things, that's not what matters ultimately, what matters most. It's not unimportant, but it's not what matters most. Um, and so I think that that can be a big obstacle for, for parents and the way that we spend our time and the way we plan and make goals and then the kinds of things that we – pass on to our kids um, and what we teach them to plan for and go after and um, the, the directions that we kind of are, are shaping them. Um, I think, you know, we can be tempted to backpedal on things um, where scripture speaks uh, to be accepted and go, well, you know, maybe Jesus mm-hmm. didn't mean this. Well, you know, Jesus didn't talk about that. Um, and so like those kind of things we just we want to, what's that? Like prominent Christian musicians. Yeah, I mean, some some are good at singing, not so good at reading the Bible. Um, you know, um, so you know, I mean, there, there's a, the the financial stuff comes up comes to mind very much. So, but there are other things though where we're just we, we want to be accepted. Like I, I don't know, and you're much more. Um, I mean, you deal with the fear of man. Just I think I deal with it in different ways. Like I'm much more like oh, I kind of navigate a middle way here, and you're just much more like you just put it out there, um, or at least you know you're just your natural wiring and my natural wiring is like that. Would you agree? I think my natural wiring is more being a jerk uh, <laughs> than yours is. <laughs> well, I mean, at times, but you know, um, but the, I, I honestly though the Lord I've seen over. What a decade or so! I've seen the Lord shape you uh, for a decade Praise plus Lord. now. Um, you know, and so learning when to hold back and things like that in a good way. So be encouraged, <laughs> brother. Um, but yeah, so I mean, those are just some of my my vantage point. What do you think? Yeah. So one thing uh, when you wrote this question actually made me think of uh, Israel in the wilderness. 
uh, and uh, is the Israelites. God was so upset with them because they kept whining in the wilderness and saying, "Just send us back to Egypt." That all look at all the good stuff we had in Egypt. Look at all this comfort. They which is crazy because they weren't. I mean, they were slaves. Uh, but, uh, we want cucumbers and garlic. Exactly. We don't want this comfort. We want this ease. We want things to be delicious. Uh, and uh, and they have that mentality because they're kind of short-sighted, and they're just focused on their comfort now rather than what was to come. And what was to come was way better than slavery with cucumbers and garlic. Uh, that does sound pretty good for my Italian nature, though. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I think the same thing happens to us. You know, I think that we act, even if we want to admit it, like this comfortable world is is better. And what we desire more than eternity, even when it means giving up something in this life, when it means living like an alien in this life, we'd rather have that comfort, that cucumbers and garlic, rather than the promised land, rather than uh, the, the land of milk and honey. Because, you know, the land of milk and honey is far off. It seems like uh, we act like it's far off, at least. Uh, but I think the other ideas and idols around us uh, are the our um, culture Christianity, I think, is really damaging for us. And we've talked some about that. Uh, and some people really like culture Christianity, really think it's wonderful. I was even reading a review of a biography of an old biography of George Washington that tried to make him into this great Christian saint because he was the fa- one of the founding fathers, and therefore he must have been uh, the strongest Christian in history, despite the fact that he, I mean, he just wasn't. Uh, right. And I think that's driven by cultural Christianity, which is really, cultural Christianity is more Americanizing Christianity than it is Christianizing the American experience. It's more allowing Christianity to be shaped by the values of America, whether good or bad, than it is allowing America to be shaped by Christian values. And uh, I think that can distract us from kingdom living. That's really good insight. So are there um, are there some key areas, which I think some of the things you just said, but are anything else, key areas in our Western culture or just in a culture in general, because it, it may look different. Um, I think we probably both know people who are living in different cultures than one like our own, um, that you think would be the sort of the testing ground of the allegiance of a family. So like in other words, they're what they think their true home is and what their true loves are, their allegiances, those things will become evident by how they handle these certain areas of life. Yeah, I think they're multiple. But before I say anything, I think, you know, people should be able to see that our children and youth are different, that there's something different about us. That's what First Peter is talking about in Alien Life. I, I've known of a, uh, of a Christian uh, or confessing Christian that has worked a job for many, many years, a job that there's other Christians at, and his uh, boss uh, tried to really evangelize to him, uh, uh, evangelize to him because he didn't see he, that there was nothing in his work and his attitude and his talk uh, that demonstrated that there was anything different about him uh, than the rest of the world. And I think mm. that First Peter shows us our lives are to be so fundamentally different than this, than that, and we are to stand out as aliens. Uh, but I think practically, especially for children and youth, I think consumption of media can be a really major aspect in which... Uh, 
it will be a testing ground. Uh, you know, alien families may give up on seeing a movie others desire because they feel like it's dishonoring to the Lord and language perhaps and uh, using the Lord's name in vain or majorly because they feel that, that the nudity within it and the lack of respect uh, for honoring honoring body and the temptation that it brings about is something that is not glorifying to God and not conductive of growing in the faith. You know, I mean, that might mean, I can think a movie came out a couple years ago. I think that sometimes Deadpool, Deadpool is hugely popular among teenagers and youth, but is known to have a great deal of nudity in it. Uh, and that, I think, was an example of kind of a real testing ground of what, what we're going to do. Are we going to stand out or are we going to kind of just blend in? But I want to say that, you know, that people struggle with different uh, temptations than other people, uh, and we must acknowledge that. But... Um, you know, I think another one, you may ask your youth uh, to avoid something like uh, something with dangerous teachings like 13 Reasons Why, something that's widely consumed. That's another form of media, and, and that has gone crazy with on Netflix right now or through the books. And, uh, you know, there's so many dangerous teachings about suicide uh, that fail to understand that it is self-murder. Uh, that you might want, it might, it might be something that, uh, for a Christian family, an alien family, that we might encourage. You need to be careful with that kind of thing in a way that the world doesn't. Um, I think the, uh, as aliens get, as Christian aliens get older, they will need to make their own alien choices, as one can say. So it's not going to be as much for us, you know, with young, with young children, with the people that listen with young children. It's going to be easy to say, we're standing out because you can't do this, uh, because we don't feel like it's in keeping with Christian values. But as they get older, you know, they have to make these decisions on being an alien for themselves. But I think other examples in that would be a clothing for example, I think you're, an alien family is going to stick out um, and will show an allegiance to the next kingdom by how they dress, by how uh, the youth girls or youth guys dress. And I don't just mean in terms of modesty, though I think that's hugely relevant. But I mean oftentimes today, teenagers uh, can sometimes dress uh, to achieve status. How you dress can be a way to show that you're above and superior to other people. And that is so fundamentally anti-gospel anti and unchristian uh, that I think that's a game that Christian aliens don't want to get involved in at all and will stand out from the world. And, uh, but also, last one, um, we talked about, I've talked about Jen Wilkin uh, before in a recent podcast, and she had a really great talk on raising aliens uh, that influenced me in a lot of ways in how I approach these things. And she said, how you spend your time, uh, the, how you spend your time in family dinner might be the most countercultural thing you do, uh, as the reality is that nowadays, just having family dinner, even more so family worship together on a consistent basis, makes you countercultural, makes you an alien from this world, uh, because it means giving up on things, just like we talked about in our last episode. Um, but, and, and one thing I will add too, you know, I think also it will show in how we spend our time off and our extra, extra finances. Uh, you know, a Christian alien family that values living as an alien will certainly enjoy sometimes rest at uh, rest, uh, but 
they might stick out by deciding that maybe once a year, they as a family will choose to go on a missions trip to serve the Lord in a way of, of doing even service projects to those who are in need uh, and giving of themselves in a way that just looks really odd to this world, is against the values of the world around us. Uh, but ultimately, you know, a thing I think must be said in all of this is Christian aliens will look like they're missing out. They will look like they're missing out. But they know that they're not if they're truly Christian aliens. I think those are some, yeah, very practical insights um, that touches on a lot of areas of life. Um, and, and, you know, often we may not all think about all those things. Um, we just kind of get dressed or we just pick the clothes out or buy the clothes or whatever. You know, yeah, we'll get you this. It, okay, that's not – those aren't hoochie clothes. So, yeah, that's fine. <clears throat> But thinking a little bit more deeply about those things because, yeah, it, like you said, um, we are aliens. And so we're, we're looking to another home. Um, and the choices we make in those cases, even if we're not even thinking about it, it can reveal where our allegiance is and where our home is. Um, so I was undecided whether we should keep this one in there or not. So I put it in italics. Um because I think we talked about something like this recently, but uh, I don't know. We'll throw it out there, see how it goes. If we need to cut it, we'll cut it. So, Tony, how can families seek to avoid judging others who might make different decisions in some of these areas? Um, and how much room is there for conscience and Christian liberty when it comes to some of these matters? Yeah. So, I think we need to recognize. No two aliens look alike. <laughs> when we talk about Christian aliens, you know, you got little green, you got the green aliens, you got the blue aliens, you got the ones, uh, the weird-looking tentacle aliens, like what, like with that Best Picture nominated Amy Adams movie that came out a couple years ago. Uh, but realistically, yeah, Christian aliens are going to look different from one another. Uh, we're all going to battle different things, and so sometimes we'll all we'll have to miss out on different things based upon where we're at spiritually and what battles we uniquely faced. Uh, but I also want to add uh, that uh, we need to always assume the best motives uh, of other families and of mm -hmm. each other. Uh, and so I think that's going to be an important way that we approach this rather than just being legalistic and say, you know, if you do this, that you're, you're sinning, even though the Bible doesn't say it. I think we assume good motives sometimes and realize that, you know, one family, for example, as living as aliens could partake of something for the sake of witnessing to others, you know, uh, through it, uh, versus while another could abstain from it for the sake of standing out and being a witness, but both are honoring to the Lord. I think that's that's measured. Uh, that's good because you do have to factor in that, that no two aliens will look alike, um, and so for things that Scripture doesn't specifically lay out for us, it does take wisdom and it, matters of conscience come in. Um, and like I, I liked what you said about assuming the best motives and not just well we know that we as a family are trying to please Jesus, but man the Joneses down there, you know, um, and, and all of us are prone to pride and self-righteousness and um and thinking the worst about others you know we're, we're running late and so we're being maybe not the best driver because well you know something came up but those other fools out there just recklessly you know cutting in and out of traffic and things like that 
how can parents seek to raise their kids as aliens in whatever culture they're they're living in? Because it's good, like I said, it's going to look different depending on the family and depending on the place where you're living. Because there's going to be different things that are going to test where home is for you um, based on that. But what are some some guiding principles? So I think in any culture, we have to be students of the world around us. We have to know what's going on. And you have to analyze uh, what the values are of whatever culture. You know, we have people that listen that are not Americans. We talk a lot about Christianity in America. Uh, but you ha- if you're not in America, you need to study the values that are around you and whether or not they're in keeping with their alien lifestyle, uh, with the our status as citizens of a greater place, of God's kingdom. Uh, and think about how they might be influencing you more than you think. Because trust me, you are influenced by the worldview around you. You just are. And I think that is one thing that parents need to be aware of uh, and need to understand and need to dissect with their children even, even talk about it around the dinner table. Um, but I think also uh, aliens need to prioritize the importance of of teaching about the Lord in the home. And they need to prioritize the work of God on using the home, not just using the local church. Those are some good tips um, and just good things to, to be aware of. Um, and I think, I mean, you and I don't live as close as we used to. We used to live uh, very close. Um, <laughs> we shared a duplex. So, um, But, I mean, I've seen you guys trying to live as aliens and living as those loving the people around you. And so, um, done that well. So it, this kind of seems like hard and uncomfortable work at times, um, to do this kind of thing. Is it asking too much of families to try to get them to step back and to consider these things and to think about their thinking even? Uh Uh-huh. It's asking a lot. You are right, Ben. Uh, it's asking, it's hard but the Christian life is not supposed to be coasting. It's exactly what was missed in the wilderness. That's exactly what's missed uh, when we become comfortable in our faith and when we uh, live like we live here rather than live like we're aliens. Uh, And we need to realize that Christian life is supposed to be spiritual warfare. That's the nature of this life until we go home. And if we don't do this, Uh, The reality is that our children and our youth will become comfortable in Babylon, and then they will start to feel at home in their Babylon. What do you think, though? I think that you're right. If we just coast, um, that unless the Lord does something significant, then yeah, the the cycle just perpetuates, and it probably just gets worse over time. Um, And the the first thing you said, um, that following the Lord in a fallen world, in a world that's opposed to him, is not going to be easy. Um, we're not promised that. And so to to think that, oh, if, if we trust the Lord and try to obey him, then our, you know, we have our quiet time that morning, that life's just going to go great. Um, that's just a, setting people up for disaster in their faith. And so we, I mean, some of it, it goes back to the church and the, the what the church is teaching and preaching and is it preparing people for that to, to not be caught off guard when things like that happen so that their faith is not shipwrecked um, or seriously damaged. Um, but 
I, I really I don't know that there's a whole lot more um, to say. I don't think it's asking too much because the the stakes are so high. And just asking, you got to ask yourself: is is it worth it? Look at the what what's on the line there. And um, and then I mean, if you're in the position to urge families to consider those things, you ultimately you have to pray that the Lord would make that a reality in their lives. I mean, you can lay it out there, but um, if it doesn't, they don't own it internally, and that's something that you can't ensure that happens, then um, then they'll just kind of keep coasting. Do you think you could say that the stakes are out of this world, by the way? <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Uh, it's funny – my wife and I were watching, I think I mentioned this. I was talking to somebody, I don't know if it was you or somebody else recently about, we were watching Joel Osteen on TV and uh, he was talking about them having quail steaks or something out in the the wilderness and, you know, they're eating this fine luxury stuff and uh, like, no, no, that's not what was happening. Um, so apparently those kind of steaks were out of this world. Um, so we'll, Will living this way as families, do you think it will help or hurt our attempts at evangelism and disciple-making? So, Tony, how can families help, assuming they're a believing family, how can they help other believing families in this extraterrestrial project, um, particularly if it seems that that other family is living more like a permanent resident here and not like an alien? Um, how can they lovingly help them along? You know, God is patient with people who aren't living like aliens, even in the mm -hmm. wilderness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think that we should be patient as well. Uh, and avoid legalism. Avoid saying, you know, you are not living like aliens because you are doing something that I'm not doing, that the Bible doesn't tell us about one way or the other, uh, with alcohol or whatever it is. Uh, but I think one very, very practical thing uh, you can do uh, is something that I know some people at our church are doing, and not for the sake of, of this kind of thing, but I think it would help in this kind of way, is uh, we, a couple friends of ours are, are taking time to do family worship and family devotions together, uh, I think on certain Friday nights, and coming That's together cool. for that, you know, and talking about teaching the Lord together on a regular basis with their kids and i think that is a great opportunity to handle these kind of things um, but i think small groups are also a really great place for these kind of discussions that might need to happen and maybe the people in your small group even a small group are the best ones to interact with about how we live like aliens when sometimes we aren't really living like aliens uh, but <laughs> i I think we should assume the best of other people, but at the same time, uh, we do need to approach one another. We approach one another with scripture in hand. You don't approach and uh, saying, you know, that uh, I saw that uh, I, I, I know Johnny smoking uh, at 18, and this is so terrible and everything, uh, and uh, just based upon our own hunches and our own thoughts, and said we need to uh, be prayerful and we need to be uh, really mindful of scripture as we handle that kind of thing. I love what you said about the, the being patient because God is patient with us, and you don't want to get dogmatic and, and proud. That that's not going to really help anybody. Or very few instances will is it going to be helpful. It's not going to be well received. But um, modeling is big, and I think asking good questions, um, asking them good questions to just even that's a it's a very I read an article recently. Um, in the Journal of Biblical Counseling, and it was, I think it was a previous issue, it was talking about uh, 
nine different ways to confront people um, for the timid. And I was like, well, um, I, that's, I tend more towards that I don't like confrontation, but just being a disciple of Jesus, you have to, and being a pastor, you have to, being a, a husband or a father, you've got to. Um, and one of the lowest, uh, I guess, at least, you know, sparks flying kind of ways is just by asking questions or expressing concern. Um, and you, you're prayerful, but, uh, getting people to stop and to think, and I think the Lord can use that. Um, so will, <clears throat> will living this way as families, is it going to help or hurt our attempts at evangelism and disciple making? Oh, this is going to help a great, great, great deal. And I think it's going to put it all together and explain why we do disciple making. Um, I think this makes Christianity so deeply real in the day-to-day life. Uh, I think if we if we teach the Christian life as the life of the alien, you can't possibly have the mentality that Christianity is just part of the, one of the buffet options like we've talked about before. <laughs> you can't possibly see it as, as just something that is part of your life. You have to see that as something that's in all and through all in your very being. Uh, but I think this also changes in evangelism. This changes the urgency of relating to the lost. We don't just see lost people as people that are basically decent, uh, you know, and then maybe they need to find their own walk with Jesus. But we see them as those who are citizens of a kingdom that's about to come crumbling down. And we want to get them out of there. We want to get them out of the uh, burning, that uh, burning kingdom, and into the eternal, better kingdom, uh, and uh, to really change them in that way. And so, I think it urges evangelism strongly and discipleship, one hundred percent. And depending on where you're living, too, living as an alien makes you stand out even more. Um, you're going to stand out, but you may just stand out even further. Um, but by your love for people, they may go, hmm, I don't quite get on board with what they believe, but there's no denying that they love me and they love people in their church, They, you know, those kinds of things. And so um, it is attractive as we live as the Lord's people because they see his character in us. Uh, and that's something we as a family just, you know, trying to work through and repent properly um you know and you know you've got three little kids of your own and uh you know it can be challenging as far as just folding other people into you know having them over for dinner and this kind of stuff and um and so you know we are trying to uh do much better at that not just you know out of a sense of obligation but we want to and um you know, letting that love and as they see differences in us, um, let that be a powerful witness to the gospel. That's good. Um, so are there ways you think that churches tend to make it harder for families to live like aliens? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. Um, I think one major one that might actually sound odd in this discussion, but I think is really relevant. I think getting caught in the values of this world uh, and values of the world around us, like, for example, getting caught into political debates uh, that mm-hmm. are, are not kingdom issues, uh, in even in sermons, and small groups making that kind of be the thrust of what you guys talk about, uh, that uh, over the greater work of the kingdom, it's so very much 
uh, neglecting the reality of living as aliens, and and it's treating as if this is ultimately your home. This is you know Bab- we're supposed to just sit still and get and enjoy life in Babylon when we get really into things. I don't really care what your political opinions are uh, for that sake. I think that's true if you're a Democrat or if you're conservative or whatever. I think it, we get bogged down and we get distracted from the alien life by obsessing over politics in the local church. Um, but I think we also avoid the temporary nature of this life in children and youth ministry. Uh, you know, children, so much of children and youth ministry, even when gospel is present there, is about making making a good experience out of this life rather than living for the next one rather than thinking ever about what will life how will life be made different by the fact that we don't belong here Um, and uh, i think lastly and a really interesting one i think is so often uh the church and the american church can be so driven and i think the world in general the church can be so driven by seeking relevancy uh as relevancy is kind of the greatest possible aim uh, but when we understand that we're aliens we have to realize that relevance is a foolish goal in an alien in a world that is alien to us and a world that we don't belong in you uh, that our gospel message until God does a great work in people, we must realize it's fundamentally irrelevant to the value systems of this world. That's a good point. Um, I think that's a good point. There are ways that, we, just like you said earlier, your culture just seeps in and affects you even if you don't realize it. Like Nobody's immune from that. Um, and so the, the world gets into the church, whether it's in you know, Niger or in the U S or somewhere in between. Um, well, there's a lot of ocean in between. So, (laughs) um, but you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, but I think you're, you're right. Um, I I mean the scuba diver next to you, uh, might be influencing your theology in the middle of the sea. (laughs) That's right. Um, are there, on the other hand, are there ways that churches tend to help families to live as aliens? And is there anything, maybe that you really haven't seen, but you would you hope to see? Yeah. So actually, I think definitely, and I think that every church that is a real Christian church, in some way, shape, or form, does help towards this. Uh, you know, the, I think the very nature of what the church is, like what we've talked about before of uh, aliens and refugees coming together is what helps us and a reminder of our of our narrative of who we are uh you know i've uh i've i've done some research lately on hanukkah and how hanukkah has become a bigger and bigger deal in america and just in general across the world it was never a gigantic holiday and one of the reasons why is jewish american families uh which their identity is oftentimes a jewish person more being israelite uh to themselves than it is being uh than is being american which is fine uh that they will they will make a big deal about uh, showing their heritage and studying their heritage together and coming together to make their children aware of their great Jewish heritage. Uh, and that's what Christianity is. It's 
coming together for our great heritage and showing what we're about that's bigger than our allegiance to this Babylonian empire, this, <laughs> this Babylon that's around us. Uh, so I think when we come together as Christians, as members of God's king, eternal kingdom, that will live together forever, we're fundamentally reminded of, of our alien nature just by the nature of how the church works. Um, but I think also uh, things like uh, things like what we're doing can be helpful for that cause. Things like resources on interacting theology in your life, whether it be a podcast or a blog or something like that. Um, but I think one thing that uh, I I like to see more, and it impacts music and how we understand the alien life. I think that there, especially sometimes with some contemporary music, there can be a lack of singing really about our heavenly citizenship. Uh, that there's some really great old hymns and great new songs uh, that are very uh, alien-minded. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand. Uh, I am bound, I am bound, I am bound for the promised land. Uh, truths that we need to sing out, that we need to meditate upon a lot more than we do today. Mm. That's that's good. Um, yeah, I mean, just the, the regular assembling of ourselves together um, is a testament to our, our alien uh, status. And, and then what we do during that time and uh, is, is really important. Um, and so, yeah, I, I like, um, I, I, I'm glad that we got to have this conversation and, and let you expound some more to our listeners, kind of what pushed you to, to make an emphasis, such a big emphasis on this with your students at your church and their families. And, um, uh, it was helpful for me as well, getting a, a little more of that and, um, you know, I pray that the Lord uses this in others, uh, other churches and other families, because we're we're in danger of you said just getting comfortable in Babylon and coasting. And uh, while we do work for the good of those around us, mm-hmm. um, we we love this. You know, the citizens. We, I mean, I think most would agree. There's a few that, that disagree, but you know that we vote and and all these kinds of things. Um, but we we remember that we are awaiting um, a greater city that God has built and, uh, it's that, that's our true home. That's our true joy. So, um, but thanks for sharing with us and, and just giving us uh, some more insight on that today. Uh, you know, and Ben, I, I really do hope that, uh, the devastation of your loss to me in our fantasy football championship does help you cling more to our, your heavenly citizenship. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's a good reminder. Uh, I probably won't have fantasy football in heaven. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.